are starting a new series uh, this week called My Church. And how many is thankful for your church? How many is thankful for this church? And we're going to be talking about some values of our church, some foundational aspects of our church, of our culture, why we do what we do. And we, we are, number one, the first thing about our church is that we are a Jesus church. We are passionate about Jesus. Is anybody passionate about Jesus? Uh, we're, we're not passionate uh, about music. We're not passionate about programs. We're, we're not even really passionate about buildings, even though that's a major focus right now. Our main focus is Jesus Christ because he is the foundation of the church. And if you take away Jesus, really you don't have anything different than what the world has to offer. And so we wanna keep Jesus at the focus. We want him to be our heartbeat, for him to be our focus. And Psalm 63, one says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. That's the spirit we wanna have, is that we are thirsty for more of God we're hungry for more of God. We want more of him more than anything else. How, how many knows that, that what you and I need isn't more money, it's not a bigger house, it's not a new this or that. What we need is more of Jesus. That if we had more of Jesus, we could change the world. We could change our family. We could change our high school. We could change everything around us. And so we wanna be a people who are Jesus-centered. And we wanna have that spirit that the psalmist had, that we wanna earnestly seek after him, that our whole being longs for him, that we cannot wait to be in his presence and to put ourselves in a position to hear from him. And so we wanna be a, pe a people that have a passion for God and his presence. This is the most important aspect of who we are. And I, th I think of Moses in Exodus 33, and he is talking with God, and, and God is once again offering to lead them in to the promised land. And in Exodus 33, verse 15, Moses says to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. And that's the attitude we should have for this year, for 2023. God, if you're not going with us, we don't wanna take another step. If you're not going with this, we don't wanna do anything where you are not at. And that's why we wanna position ourselves to hear from God and to be in his presence. And there's a story where, in the Gospels where Jesus entered into the temple and he sees that they've basically become in the temple everything other than what they're supposed to be about. They're, they've made it a marketplace, they've made it a place where it's a money-making enterprise. Does it sound familiar in our current church culture? And he actually took the time to build a whip, which so much for that really nice hippie Jesus, right? He builds a whip and he chases them out of the temple. And he actually gets physical. And it says in John chapter two, verse 17, when his disciples saw this, they remembered that it is written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. 
The reason Jesus did that, he saw that that was the only place at that time where people could meet with God. And he saw that they had made it everything but that. And he got angry. He got uh, what we would say righteous indignation. And they said, that reminds us of the scripture in the Psalms. Zeal for your house is eating me up. That word zeal, you know what that means? That's passion. Passion for your house has eaten me up. Passion for your house has consumed me. Come on, does anybody have that today? Does anybody here have the spirit that just because there's a little bit of snow, I'm not gonna let that keep me from the house of God just because I have to enter a different door than I usually do. I'm still gonna make my way to the house of God. Is anybody thankful? Does anybody have a passion for God's house today? And so we want to have that zeal for God's house that Jesus had. And we want to be passionate for his presence and not his presence. In other words, not just what he can do for us. Because how many knows that if we get in his presence, everything else fills in the gaps. That fills in everything that we need. All we need is in the presence of God today. And, and so I want to give us the first value of this, this first week, our first value, and that is this. We are passionate about prayer and fasting. We are a passionate church about prayer and fasting. If there's uh, something that if you just stripped us to our bare bones and if we had to take away certain programs, we had to take away certain things, maybe about service, one thing we cannot replace is prayer and fasting. And I, I've seen people come through the years and they come and they want to talk to dad and they say, what's the secret sauce? How'd you do this here? What, what, what are the methods? What are the programs? And he very curtly would say prayer and fasting. They'd be like, no, no, really, come on. What, what, what did you really do? Prayer and fasting. And I want to tell us for this next generation the recipe hasn't changed. It's still about prayer and fasting. Yes, we support programs. Yes, we want to have a method. Yes, God blesses having uh, strategies and those types of things. I'm not saying that that's not a part of it. But at the end of the day, the indisputable, unremovable ingredient of our church is prayer and fasting. People who have a hunger for the presence of God. Can I get an amen in the house today? And so you know what's coming. You know what's coming. Starting tomorrow is our annual 21 days of fasting and prayer. And we do this every year because it sets the tone for the rest of the year. It sets the tone for everything. And I, I just want to encourage you, if you don't know what you're doing and you're confused about what all this is, well, I'm going to preach a little bit about it here today. But grab one of these fasting guides. They're by the doors on the tables. Grab one of these fasting guides and it makes it very easy about how you can do this, about how you can implement this into your spiritual walk. Because this is so important that we have everybody involved because we've got to have everybody connected to God. Because that is the purpose of church. Did you know that? The purpose of church isn't to have good music. The purpose of church isn't to have good kids programs. And we just take our kids and we drop them off for an hour on Sunday. And we know they're going to hear a little bit about the Bible. That's great. But at the end of the day, all of it is about connecting people 
with God. And how do we connect with God? We connect with God through prayer. Prayer cannot be removed. And, and, and Jesus said in Matthew 21, 13, that same story where he drove the money changers out of the temple, he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. Prayer. A house of music. A house of entertainment. No, a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. And so that's why we pray in the middle of our service. Because we want to communicate that value. That this is right in the middle of what we do. Right now what I'm preaching, my role as a preacher, you know what my role as a preacher is? is to bring you a connection to God, to bring you to a place of prayer, to bring you to a place, not just so you're impressed with my nice sermon and, and we say, oh, that was great and that was thought-provoking. No, we want our preaching, we want our worship, we want all the kids' programs to bring people to a place of prayer. Can I get an amen? And so prayer is by the means by which we connect with God individually and corporately. What is prayer? It's a conversation with God. And just because you can't pray like Bishop, which he has, I would say he has a spiritual gift of intercession and prayer. It's a gift that God has given him. And maybe it doesn't sound like him. Maybe it's not as eloquent as the person sitting next to you. You just start talking with God and we've got prayers in here. We've got models in here for you to follow. And I want us to see something, why prayer and fasting is so important. And we see it in Matthew chapter 17, a, a story in, in which the disciples were in a situation and Jesus gave them the reason for their ineffectiveness. It says in Matthew 17, and when they had come to the multitude, a man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is an epileptic and it suffers severely. He often falls into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus say, answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. I want us to see something here about what happens in this story. This man brings his son who needs a miracle, who has had some physical affliction or perhaps was afflicted by a demon spirit. And he brought him to Jesus' disciples and they could do nothing to help him. Now I don't know about you, but I, how many was to be an effective follower of Jesus? How many wants to be the type of follower that you have a reputation that when you pray, things happen? And I wanna tell you, this church has that reputation. There's people, they'll never go here in a million years, but you can bank on it when grandma's sick, who they're calling. When their son is sick, who they call? Why? Because we have a reputation for being able to get a hold of God. And it's because of what I'm about to talk about. And Jesus says this. He says, the disciples have two characteristics. They are unbelieving and perverse. What does it mean to be unbelieving? It means that we're not as connected to God 
as we should be. That's what it means to be unbelieving. That we have a form of religion, but not the power. And so if we're gonna have the power, we've gotta be connected. And he says that they were perverse. What does it mean to be perverse? It's too connected to the world. They were not connected enough to God and they were too connected to the world. How many knows that a worldly church cannot deliver anybody? A worldly church cannot do the work that God has for us to do, and that is the work of Jesus, to bring about signs, miracles, and wonders. How many still believes that that's still for today? How many believes that God still does miracles at the hands of believers? What is the word of God says? It says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Friendship with the world brings a distance between us and God. First John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And Lord, help us to get disconnected from this world. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now. What does love for the world look like? It, well, it's not just all the things that we've traditionally ascribed to it. It can be too materialistic. Right now, we've just entered a time, we've just left uh, the Christmas season where we're eating too much, we're getting too much, we're, we're doing everything in excess. And that's why we do this fast right now, because we need to cleanse ourselves from some habits. We need to cleanse ourselves from some mindsets and some things that we've just, we've been too connected to the world. How many knows that good Christians can get too connected to the world? And Jesus said, that's what was keeping them. They're not connected to God and they're too connected to the world. And I wanna ask you today, what's perversing your faith? What is it that has you too connected to the world? But then Jesus gave them the remedy for this problem. In chapter 17, verse 19, verse 19 he says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately. I like that. They didn't want their tongue lashing in front of everybody. They had a little bit of pride. They, they pulled Jesus aside when everybody walked away and they said, why could we not cast it out? In other words, the age old question, Jesus, what's your secret sauce? Church, what's your secret sauce? How can we have this spiritual power? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, everybody say, however. however. This kind, what is this kind? This kind is major league miracles. If you want the big stuff, if you want the miraculous, if you wanna go to the next level, whatever verbiage you wanna say, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. If you wanna have the kind of spiritual power that moves mountains, that answers miraculous prayers, that sees God move on the stage of people's life and do what only he can do, this has to be incorporated with prayer and fasting. And what is prayer? Prayer connects us with God. I'm just gonna tell you, when my faith begins to lower, when doubt begins to creep in my life, it's a telltale sign 
I haven't been praying enough. When I lose my focus, when I lose my vision, when I lose my heart for the kingdom of God, when I lose my heart to see miracles happen, and you know what that is? It's a hard heart. Because how many knows there's people in this place today that need a miracle? There are people that came into this place. This might be the only Sunday that they're here. This might be the only time that they have a connection with God. And I wanna tell us, saints, we've got to have the power of God in this church so that anybody that comes in this place can be connected with God and see a miracle happen in their life. The more time that you spend with God, the more connected to God you become. The more time that you're connected to that vine, the more power that is infused into your life. You can't just walk in and walk out of here and live any way you want to and have no spiritual disciplines and expect the power of God moving in your life. If you wanna have the gifts of God, you've gotta have the presence of God. You've gotta have an altar in your life where you can bring that uh, situation to God in prayer and he can start to move in our life. And so our faith increases the more that we're connected. And that's what is so important to seeing a miracle is that we've gotta have faith and faith comes by prayer. And then he says this, fasting, prayer and fasting. How many here loves to fast? Please raise your hand so I can slap you across the face in Jesus' name. <laughs> I rebuke that spiritual pride. And here's why we hate fasting. It disconnects us from the world. When we fast and we push aside that plate or we, we turn off that Netflix, we turn off those ball games we, and we focus, we get disconnected from the world, the more we get connected to God. And that's why fasting has to be coupled with prayer and why prayer has to be coupled with fasting. The two go together because if you wanna be connected, you have to be disconnected from the world. Fasting increases our spiritual appetite for God and decreases our worldly appetites and desires. And your dominion with God will be directly related to the control of your appetite. I'm gonna say it again. Your dominion with God will be directly controlled by your appetite. If you have an appetite for him, more power. If you have an appetite for the things of this world, all, all that's on your mind right now, who are the bears playing and you know uh, what, what happened with uh, Illinois yesterday in college basketball and what, what do we have after this? What, what, what's, who's fixing what for lunch? And, and, and all that's fine, all that's fine. But we've gotta keep that in moderation. We've gotta keep it in its place. And we've gotta keep the kingdom of God at the forefront of our mind, at the forefront of our hearts. God, give us a greater appetite for you in this hour. Is that the cry of anybody in this place today? Powerful churches and powerful individual believers are formed by prayer and fasting. I'll show you in the Bible. I won't do it, I say that figuratively. I could show you in the Bible. Everybody who was used by God in a powerful way 
prayer and fasting. There are no shortcuts. There's not just these super spiritual people that pray and fast and then there's everybody else. No, no, no. The call of God is for everybody to be connected to him. And there are no shortcuts. There's no secret sauce outside of this. You have to be under subjection to God through prayer and fasting. How did we get here? Prayer and fasting. Why are you here today? Somebody prayed and somebody fasted for you. Why is CR so successful? For years, somebody prayed and fasted and maybe they're not even a part of CR, but they said, God, bring a way for people to come into this church and be delivered from drugs and alcohol. Prayer and fasting is why all of this is here. Why are we going forward with Dream to Destiny? Prayer and fasting. And we are triune beings. We are made in the image of God. I mean, it was that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one being. And we are made in his image. And, and so in that image, what? We have a body. You see a body right now. And that's what connects ourselves, fingers and toes and everything else. Number two, we have a soul which connects us to others. Like Uncle Rico and Napoleon Dynamite. You gotta find your soulmate. thought that was funny after like the 22nd time I watched that movie. But don't worry, I'm gonna be fasting movies for the next three weeks. <laughs> our soul is how we connect to other people. And then third, our spirit is how we connect to God. And that's why we wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we wanna be completely connected to God. And here's what we're gonna do over the next 21 days. Our body has a tendency to dominate. We drive by Burger King and we see two Whoppers for five bucks, I'm in. That you're, we, we tend to be drawn in, our, our, our flesh says do this and we go. Look at this and we look. Go there, do that. And here's what we're gonna do over the next 21 days. We're gonna tell our flesh no. We're gonna subject it to the Spirit of God and we're gonna bring our spirit and our soul in connection with God and with one another over these next 21 days. Is anybody on board right now? And here's what happens when our spirit is connected to God's spirit, it controls the rest of us. You cannot control this flesh outside of God's spirit. You can have all the discipline in the world, but at the end of the day, you've gotta have the Holy Spirit helping you. And that's why fasting is so important. It is a crash course in controlling that flesh. And I'm just gonna warn you, if you go on this journey, the devil is gonna come along with you. I got scripture for that. Jesus was pushed by the Spirit into the wilderness to go fasting. Who went with him? The devil did, tempting him. And you're asking for warfare? You're asking for temptation? There's gonna be taco trucks appear in places you've never noticed them before. But that's part of the journey. And what you gotta realize, every meal that you say, nope, I'm not doing it. Every time you say, no, I can't do that. 
Your power with God is increasing. Your favor with God is increasing. That the Holy Spirit is moving in your life to give you things that you haven't had before and to show you things you've never seen before. Is anybody ready, ready for greater things in your life, in this church, in this family? Then we've gotta go on this journey with Jesus. So I wanna give us three quick points, how to prepare for a fast. And that is number one, we gotta set our purpose for fasting. Why are you doing this? I can show you all throughout the Bible. When people fasted, they had a purpose. God, I want this. I wanna see this. God, I'm fasting for my lost son. God, I'm fasting for dream to destiny. God, I'm fasting for more baptisms in our church this year. God, I'm, I'm fasting, Lord, it could be uh, something as simple as I, I need a new job. How many of us that God cares about that stuff? Whatever it is, if you need a, a physical miracle in your life, write it down and say, God, this is why I am fasting. And here's what you do. You declare a vow before God. You say, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing before you. Because if you do not make a vow, how many knows if, uh, if you don't make a vow, your commitment is gonna waffle. And so tonight, tomorrow, whenever, make a vow before God and write down some things that you wanna see from this fast. And, and part of this fast is we wanna ask for God's grace and forgiveness. We wanna prepare ourselves. The first step of a, any fast is to repent. God, if there's anything in my life that's displeasing to you, because how many knows that sin can keep you from breakthroughs in your life? And God's not gonna bless you. God's not gonna bless your present, his, you with his presence if there's sin in your life. So we ask God, reveal things in my life that are out of balance. Reveal things in my life that aren't pleasing to you. And we're gonna focus on the eternal. That's the whole point. Lord, show me, give me a vision, an eternal vision for this family. And just a few days ago, we were talking about some resolutions for 2023 and I told Daniel that this year, every night before bed, we're gonna pray with our kids. They're, they're old enough and they're at that point where they need to start praying and they need to hear us pray. And we're gonna do that every night. And it's not elaborate. At the most, it takes 90 seconds. But how many of us, that, that 90 seconds can be the most powerful minute and a half of the day. We're gonna pursue the presence of God. That's why we're doing this. I'm in a pursuit of something. There's something greater than what I have right now. There's something bigger than what we're living in right now. And so we're gonna push aside the plate and we're gonna refocus on what's eternal. And we're gonna focus on specific prayer needs. I wonder if somebody, and I believe he's here today, I know, I think his family is, would join me in maybe a day or two of fasting for little Jeremy Stice. We're gonna pray a miracle in that child's body. We're gonna fast for it. We're gonna storm the presence of God. The second thing is, is to decide what type of fast. Now, I wanna preface this point. I'm just gonna warn you, this sounds a little old school. All right, a little old school. Biblical fasting is no food and water. That is biblical fasting. Um, now, I'm not saying that you have to do that for 21 full days. Number one, I wanna have a church. Um, I want you to come back next week. 
But I want to challenge you, incorporate that at some point. And that's what's called a total fast. And maybe you go 24 hours a time, you, meet, you eat one meal a day. I want to tell you, that's powerful. Work that in some point in your fast. Then, then you, can, you can do a, a juice fast where you're just drinking juices. I've done that one before. That's a great fast. The, the Daniel fast where you're just uh, basically a vegetarian uh, type of fast. And then there's, there's personal fast. Maybe uh, just over the past two or three weeks, over Christmas break, you've watched a little too much Netflix. I'm not saying everything on Netflix is bad. But that can be too connected to the world. When we just pick up little cues from everything we're watching and before you know, that dominates over the word of God in our life. And I wanna challenge you, one thing you can do to start, we've got these read through a Bible and a year pamphlets out here, grab one. I grabbed one and I started mine this week. Replace the time that you're putting elsewhere into the word of God. Do it with two or three friends and start talking about what, what did you pick up from the scripture? Come on, I know this is old school, but this is what it looks like to be connected to God. As I, I wanna just challenge you, make, make it very personal. We're not, very, we're not legalistic about this around here. We're not telling you what you have to do, but incorporate these practices in some way or form over the next 21 days. And that leads me to my third point, is if you do this, expect results. Have faith that when you wanna quit and you wanna go to McDonald's, don't do it. Why? God's working when we don't feel it. God's working when we can't see it. God's doing something even though our flesh doesn't feel like it and we wanna quit, I wanna tell you, you're powerful. The Spirit of God is working in you. Young people, don't you dare lower yourself to say this is just for adults. God will bless that meal that you fast, even if it's one meal a day. Don't you dare say that God won't see. God will honor every meal fasted. Everything that you do for him, he will honor. Esther and the Jews fasted before she approached the king, and God gave her favor with the king. Hannah fasted and prayed and God gave her a son. Uh, Nehemiah fasted and prayed over the walls of Jerusalem and God gave him favor with a foreign king to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. How many here today are expecting the favor of God to move in this church like never before? Can somebody help me Praise God for the 155 people that were baptized in Jesus' name in 2022 in this church. But I wanna tell us, I'm greedy for more. I want more souls. I wanna see more people baptized. I wanna see more people filled with the Spirit of God. I wanna see that CR is more powerful than ever before. That's why we're doing this, is that we've gotta have favor with God and with man. And here's a question I have for you. Does anybody know somebody who wasn't connected to God in any way and fasted and God honored it? Well, I'll show you in Jonah. 
We all know the story, of, most of us probably know the story of Jonah. Jonah, God called him to go to Nineveh. It was an evil city. We would say in this day and age, a non-Christian nation. Very evil, warmongering people. God called him to go there. He ran, gets swallowed by a large fish. The fish spits him up and he eventually goes and he kind of goes begrudgingly and he preaches and it says in Jonah chapter three, verse six, then the word of the Lord came to the king of Nineveh and he rose from his throne and he laid aside his robe, covering himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his noble saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let every man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to the Lord. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then look at this, God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and he relented from the disaster that he said that he would bring upon them and he did not do it. And here's the question I have for us today. If a pagan king and a pagan nation can fast before the Lord and God answers it, how much more the people who are bought and paid for by his blood, his very chosen people, what more can happen if we fast and pray? His chosen ones, I'm telling you, I think God can do even greater things. If he can answer the fast, if he can honor the fast of a foreign nation, how much more, of a pagan nation, how much more can he answer his sons and daughters? So we're gonna enter into this fast with faith as the musicians would come. And I, today, I just wanna encourage us. Let's be moved to action. Let's do something. Let's fast for our sons and daughters. Let's fast for revival in this nation. How many knows we need a revival in this nation? Let's fast for our schools. Let's fast for the souls outside of this door, but let's fast for ourselves. Let's fast and ask God for a personal revival. Because when that problem comes, I don't wanna be like those disciples who can do nothing. I wanna bring people an answer. I wanna have the anointing of God in my life. I wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. If you want that, why don't you stand to your feet right now all over this place. And I, I want us to lift up our hands towards heaven right now. And if we could just ask God, just ask God, Lord, give me power, Lord, to fast. Give me, Lord, the favor of God upon my life, Lord, that I can do this. Give me the grace, oh God for this fast. God, put a burden on my heart. Uh, maybe the problem with some of us today, the reason we're not moved is we've become hard-hearted. We don't care anymore. We become so worldly that we don't see the trends in our family. We don't see the trends in our life. We don't see the trend in our church. We've got to have the power of God in this house. Here's, I want to give us one more scripture. It says that when Jesus fasted, the devil went with him. 
He was tempted. He overcame. Matthew 4, 11, it says, then the devil left him and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. And we're gonna pray. We're gonna have an altar call here in a minute. We're gonna pray that the angels minister to us.